This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. Join us June 6th through the 8th for a robust and convenient learning experience featuring education from industry leaders covering a wide variety of challenges facing medical practices today. MGMA Summit is a signature online event that allows you to take control of your journey by attending live or by accessing the sessions at your own pace until July 8th. Go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value-based care. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Uh, we've got a very important topic to talk to uh, a couple of experts today, uh, prioritizing patient outreach, how analytics can offer direction without disruption. Here to take a deep dive into that topic and to explore the topic and offer tips and resources are Dr. Joe Nicholson. He's a DO and Chief Medical Officer of Care Allies. We've also got Becky Trotter. She's Vice President of Population Health Solutions at Care Allies. Dr. Joe and Becky, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, great right. to be here. Great. Glad to have you all. So, Dr. Joe, let's just start with you. Um, why should practices be prioritizing patient outreach? Yeah, great question, Daniel, and, and thanks for starting there. So um, I'd say prioritize because it matters, right? So it matters to the patient. So think about, um, uh, for me, managing in that queue for patients I'm seeing next week or the week after, getting the most fragile patients in your population, kind of in that queue and, and prepared to see them. Um, it helps the patient. It helps you close gaps in care. It, it frankly reduces hospitalization and ER visits. Um, and it creates a bit of a safety net for you just to be sure you're managing all of their chronic conditions. So at Care Allies, we encourage our physician partners to leverage the thing we call the outreach score. Becky may get into this a little bit later, but it literally is the amalgam of unaddressed condition suspects plus uh, gaps in care. And, and that's how we sort of rack and stack who should we be seeing next or as soon as we can. Okay. Becky, you want to add anything think- to that? Yeah, I would love to. I think um, one of the things that patient outreach from the physician does too is it kind of takes the onus off the patient to remember to come in. If you've got a subset of your patient population, they're always going to come in. They look forward to that annual wellness visit. Maybe they look forward to coming in once a quarter. But then you also have a subset that is just not first and foremost on their mind. And so if you're identifying them through things like the outreach score, which Dr. Joe mentioned, then you're reaching kind of a subset of your population 
that isn't as proactive with their own care and, and you're identifying them and you're getting them seen and, and taken care of. So I think it's kind of a shared responsibility between the onus being on the patient, but the onus also being on the provider's office to get that patient identified and get that patient seen. Right. Mm-hmm. Y'all both mentioned that phrase. I th- was it patient score? Is that what that is? Uh-huh. Okay. So it's the patient outreach score. And that's just our internal moniker, but that's uh, part of what we use to sort of rack and stack. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Joe, you've mentioned rack and stack a couple of times. So tell, just fill us in on that. What is that? Well, so yeah, I'm an old army guy. So, yeah, so forgive me. It's my language can be a little colorful sometimes, but, um, but for me, it's, it's sort of organizing what patients are in the queue sort of based on what, uh, uh, I don't think this is unique to me, but I often use the the phrase, the fragility of the patient. So if they've got 10 or 15 or 18 chronic conditions, and if you're sitting down, a bunch of those Medicare age patients will have that many, um, then those are the patients, you know, you want to be sure if you haven't seen them in a while, let's get them in, let's prioritize them and be sure that we're addressing every element of their chronic conditions. Thank you. That that was great. Thank you for uh, elaborating on that. Sure, yeah. yeah. So Becky, let's talk technology. So how can technology and analytics help practices identify patients who need the most care? I know Dr. Joe was just giving us some color to that as well, but give us some uh, more information about that. Sure. So I think we live in a, a kind of a day and age, and this is certainly true in healthcare, where we feel like the more data we have, the better. But then consumers get all of this data, and what do you do with it, right? And so I think where data can be impactful is actually where it intersects with technology, and that technology takes a massive amount of data and really makes it actionable. Um, so whether that is driving um, an algorithm like the outreach score or identifying patients who you know, maybe just had an admission or a discharge and need to be seen for follow-up, um, it's just taking a lot of data that's at our fingertips today and really boiling it down to what is actionable, who are the patients that need intervention. And I think that the other thing that I would mention here is we, we have talked about the outreach score, and that's a really great way to prioritize patients by um, by their fragility, but also analytics help us identify patients who may not fall into that category. So maybe a patient has sure. been seen. I mean, I, I mentioned this just a minute ago, but they've, they've been seen, they've had their annual wellness visit, and then all of a sudden they're dis- um, they've admitted and had an inpatient admission, and they're discharging for a completely separate reason. We want that patient to be seen again. We want an additional touch on that patient. And so being able to identify different cohorts of patients or p- patients in different um, buckets of need is another way that data and analytics can really come into play and help provide our offices manage their population. Mm-hmm. Dr. Joe, I want to follow up with you on this because you are a DO, you've seen patients, you now talk with other providers about that. Um, what puts a smile on your face from a technology aspect of it that so it can limit some of that pajama time for yourself when you were in that place? or other providers who are out there. So they're just not spending their entire evening yeah. uh, looking over, you know, these cases uh, where they can streamline that. Yeah. I mean, it's um, your, that pajama time, or I've read several articles where you're know, using that kind of language just recently and it's a thing, right. And our docs really are kind of burned out end to end. One of Becky's superpowers 
is helping work with technology geeks. God love them. So I'm a geek. I can call other people a geek, right? But we're working with them to create these actionable moments with data. And, and it really is about actionable data and insights that at the end of the day, um, streamline and um, and make more precise with fewer touches, the physician's time, which is part of what you're talking about, but it also ensures that we're capturing um, all of those potential things that could um, uh, could hang up a patient, right? If, 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 if uh, that hospitalization that Becky referred to, if they go weeks or a month without having that follow-up office office visit. There's lots of examples like that where um, it can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Becky, that perfectly segues to my next question. So what are those practical ways that you've found to make this data actionable for those providers? Sure. You know, one of the things that I really love most about what I get to do and what we do in Care Allies is we really help providers understand what is happening outside the four walls of their practice. They're really good at knowing what conditions they've documented, what gaps in care they've closed, what medications they've prescribed. But what they may not see is a medication or, or it's the same medication that a specialist has prescribed or a condition that they have not evaluated the patient for that is um, having significant impact on their day-to-day life. And so being able to bring in data um, that supports the physician in the workflow and really, um, like Dr. Joe said, makes it actionable for them. I think it's key. It's giving them insights that they don't, um, that they may not have had in their own medical record. You know, I think this industry has evolved a lot since we even got started in this um, many, many years ago. And and, you know, before it was kind of disparate data sources, disparate systems, and so providers were toggling screens. And, and now we're able to actually really partner with um, technology vendors and EMR vendors to push insights back to providers within their EMR, which is kind of the sweet spot. So you might use, um, you know, additional chase list or additional um, technology to get your data to, to identify patients, but when you're in that point of care, Ensuring a clinician does not have to leave his or her own workflow just ensures better outcomes for the patients, but also less burnout for the provider. And so we are working with solutions um, and really moving as fast as we can um, down that road to, to really stay fully integrated into the provider's existing workflow and meet them where they are. Okay. Dr. Joe, what can you add from the provider's point of view? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I hear most from the physicians that we serve is when they've managed to finally get that point of care moment, we call it the desktop app, but when that's integrated with their resident uh, EMR, so they're just pulling up the patient in the, you know, uh, in their EMR, in the room with the patient, uh, whatever EMR they're using, and this desktop app floats up with all of this critical information, can include gaps in care, uh, maybe kind of like uh, Becky uh, referenced, maybe they saw a specialist. Two months ago, I had no idea, and uh, they saw a specialist, and um, well, you know, and prescribed a medication for whatever, right? So um, all of that information floats right up real time in front of the doc, and just gives you an additional opportunity to um, inform that patient care in the moment, in real time, and address maybe a chronic condition you didn't even have kind of on your radar. So that's the beauty of that. Okay. Um, one thing that I'll just add. Um, to something that Dr. Joe said is we even work with physicians who have paper charts, so they're not really ready to take on the cost and 
um, the activity that implementing an EMR brings. And so they've remained on paper charts, but they also really want data and analytics. And so they leverage our um, population health tool or our reporting to supplement what's in their EMR. And so I think, you know, we're really in a time where we can meet providers truly where they are. We can work with providers on, you know, EMRs that are not the major name brands or not even on it on an electronic medical record to still support them with patient outreach activities and to support them with point of care insights when they're in the exam room with the patient. Okay. For this next question, Becky, I want to stay with you here. I know you work with a lot of different practices. You know that every practice is different, has its unique aspects to it. So what can overall groups do to drive a standardized approach uh, while still addressing each practice's individual needs and uniqueness? Sure. I mean, I think at the end of the day, all of the, the clinical activities that need to happen are relatively in the same bucket. You're still trying to close gaps in care and document conditions, um, particularly on your Medicare Advantage populations. You're still trying to address, um, you know, substance abuse needs or, you know, medication abuse needs. You're still trying to take care of patients who discharged from a facility. And so all of these um, provider offices, everybody's doing the same general types of activity. And so it's just about how you consume the data and how you take advantage of it. We work with some practices that are very small and the PCP is also the person who's taking care of all the computers and is the IT guy and, you know, um, you know, a sister may be scheduling all of the appointments. And then we work with some very sophisticated practices where there's care coordinators and there are patient liaisons following the patient all the way through. And so you can take care of the same activities um, with differing resources, different EMRs, just by making the data standardized for a provider um, and his or her staff. Um, and so I think that's just, you know, kind of one big thing is to realize at the end of the day, it all boils down to the same types of clinical activities. Um, it's just who you're using to approach those activities and maybe what those resources in the office are doing that differs. Okay. Got a final question. I want both of you to weigh in here. Dr. Joe, I'm going to start with you, but sure. here's the question. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So what are some other strategies that you can recommend to help practices maximize the benefits of analytics so they can help um, improve patient care within tried and true workflows? I know that's a mouthful, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, and no, thank you for that, Daniel, because it gives me a chance to bring up two things that I was hoping that we'd, we'd get to. So um, uh, one of the things that I hear consistently from physician groups that are really high performing um, is that they often engage in pre-visit planning for their patients. And so uh, whether you're talking about a morning huddle, right, or um, I, I, I bucket this other uh, piece of work into this pre-visit planning that might go back, but the morning huddle, right, that's your chance to kind of, you know, clock your workflow, all of the patients are coming in, do we have everything that they need, and it just helps that day run more smoothly, but the reason why you need to have pre-visit planning maybe a week before or two weeks before um, or for those things that might fall out in a morning huddle that you don't have time to address. So imagine a patient has seen that specialist we referred to earlier. It'd sure be handy to have that specialist note, any labs or testing that they did, have that in hand. That's going to take you more than, you know, often more than just what you have in the, in the day to kind of um, get that in hand and then be prepared to have that conversation with a patient. 
So pre-visit planning that happens um, and pick a, pick a frame that works for you, but at least a week in advance. Um, and then also the morning huddle. But I'd encourage those two activities. I think it makes a, a big difference. And then the other thing just to say out loud that I think is a benefit of those morning huddles is in some cases, the staff knows these patients better than you do, mm-hmm. right? And, and something will fall out about, hey, did you know, uh, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, right, had this happen to her? And, and so there are just important little pieces that come out when you have a chance to um, have a bi-directional dialogue with your team before the patients roll in. So that, that's all I'd like to add. Okay. Becky, you get the final word here. So what are some strategies you'd recommend to practices? Sure. The first one is I'll just double click on what Dr. Joe said. The staff is invaluable here. Um, We do not believe that the PCP is the one that needs to be identifying every patient for outreach, looking at all of the lists, um, you know, checking the discharge report. That's what a PCP staff is there for. And so allowing a scheduler access to those types of reporting or those types of outreach tools is really valuable. Allowing a nurse to prep the charter, you know, conduct the the pre-visit huddles and, and, you know, pull all of the the to-dos together for the day or for for the week. Um, I think just really leaning on the staff and um, letting the staff have access to the data and the staff have access to the analytics is really, really key. Um, And then the other thing that I'll say too is, um, you know, find a good partner, find a good uh, partner who can help you with data sharing, who can help you with data security, but who really understands that workflows are not a one size fits all um, and can take these kind of big solutions and make them actionable in the practice. All right. Well, Becky, Dr. Joe, thanks so much for joining us uh, today and sharing these insights. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Business Solutions Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Joe Nicholson. He's Chief Medical Officer of Care Allies and Becky Trotter, Vice President of Population Health Solutions at Care Allies. And if you want to learn more about patient outreach and other topics we've discussed today, you can go to careallies.com. I'm also going to provide direct links to additional free resources on these topics and others we covered today in the episode show notes. Thanks again for listening and for being a part of the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.